Hey friends, welcome to The Drivecast, a daily podcast walking through the Bible to help us read it in, pray it up, and live it out. My name is Dan, and I serve as the teaching pastor for our new Worthington campus. Today, we're looking at Revelation 3, 14 through 22. I'll read the passage, and then we'll get started. Starting in verse 14, it says this, Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea, Thus says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed, an ointment to spread on your eyes so you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. It's interesting that we're still in this section in the book of Revelation of these seven letters written to seven different churches across the Roman Empire now located in modern-day Turkey. We're getting towards the very end of these letters, and each one of these weeks we've talked about looking deeply into the background and history of these real churches that really did exist at some point and the words that Jesus has for these specific churches. Now we're talking about the church in the city of Laodicea. And it's helpful to know a little bit about the background of this city and the cultural idols that were prevalent in this city because these line up with exactly some of the things that Jesus talks about in this letter to the church of Laodicea. Laodicea was one of the wealthiest of the seven cities mentioned in the book of Revelation. It was known for its manufacturing of wool, baking uh, baking industry and medical school that produced eye ointment. The water supply to Laodicea, which provided constant problems for the city, came from an aqueduct from springs about six miles to the north of the city. This aqueduct was built to bring water into the city from a hot spring. Some people think it was for medicinal purposes or just being the closest water source that they could get to. Uh, However, due to the many problems, by the time the water reached the city, it wasn't hot and it wasn't really cold. It was lukewarm. Jesus opens his letter to the church comparing that lukewarm water to the lukewarm faith of the church in Laodicea. He knows everything they do, which is kind of a haunting thing when you think about it. Yet He's disgusted with their actions. The language is quite vivid, that he would want them to either be hot or cold. Both are good options in Jesus' mind, but they're lukewarm. And he says, I'm going to 
not just spit them up, but I'm going to vomit this out. This is not something that I want for those who call uh, me by my name, right? That's what he's saying to them. Jesus continues by highlighting their self-sufficiency, their idleness, their neglect to be part of the kingdom of God, and their indifference to it. He's angered and disappointed in their actions. They act like they don't need God at all, pridefully claiming that they are solely responsible for their own wealth, claiming it uh, was their toil that afforded them plenty. And it's interesting when you look at historically what happened in the city of Laodicea, we know that years before this letter was written, a massive earthquake devastated the city, even while it was part of the Roman Empire. And the citizens of Laodicea looked at the empire and said, we don't need you to help us rebuild our city. We can do it ourselves. And so what we already see historically is that there was this cultural idol deeply embedded in Laodicean culture saying, we've got this, we can do it. We can build ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We can get after it ourselves. We don't need you. And that same idol is reflected in the life and uh, engagement in the church in Laodicea. Right? They take on this same posture to Jesus. We've got this we can build ourselves up. We need, we, we have our own wealth. We have our own systems in place. And Jesus speaks directly to this prevalent idol, both in the city of Laodicea and in the church. Now, we want to not just read into the passage and understand what it says. We also want to pray it up, which means we take what Jesus says here in Revelation chapter 3 and pray these things back to him. Verse 15, just a couple of prayer points. Verse 15, Jesus accuses the church of being lukewarm. Here's something we can pray for today. Pray for the Lord to light a spiritual fire in your heart. Pray that your actions, your words, and your thoughts are not like the church in Laodicea, but are instead uh, hot or cold, that you have a passion and zeal for him, not a lukewarm complacency in your spiritual life. And this is something we can pray and ask his help for. Here's another prayer point. Verse 17 reveals that Jesus uh, very much opposes the self-reliant posture that was so prevalent in Laodicean culture and in the Laodicean church. My friends, that same posture is alive and well in the American daydream, that, that we ourselves can be uh, the source of our own strength, that we can pull ourselves up from our own bootstraps. We can get after it ourselves. And I think Jesus would take the same posture to the idol that is so prevalent in our prevailing culture and inevitably weeds its way into the life of the church. Ask that uh, the Lord would begin to root out this idol in our lives and in our church communities. Let's take a moment to pray together. I'll pray first and give you an opportunity to pray as well. God, we thank you that today we can trust you. We thank you that we can approach you as a good father who knows what we need before we even open up our mouths to ask. 
We thank you that uh, we approach you as the same God who spoke to Moses in the wilderness saying, I hear the cries of my people. I know their affliction. I see what's happening. We know you as the all-knowing God. Father, we also know that this means you see all of our brokenness, all of our frailty. And yet, in Jesus, you choose to continue to pursue us. We pray, Lord, that you would help us root out this idol of self-sufficiency that uh, so deeply embeds itself into our lives, into our churches. God, we pray that you remove this for your fame and for your glory. I pray, Lord, that you would also uh, stir within us a deep and abiding passion for your fame and for your glory. God, that this passion would grip each member in our church, and that it would grip our churches themselves, that we would be more about Jesus being made famous in our city. Now I'll give you a moment to pray. And finally, let's take a moment to talk about living this out. We don't just want to hear the word and reflect on the word. We want to live in obedience to what the word says for us. And you know, sometimes there are passages where application is super easy. We know exactly what we're supposed to go out and do. And then there's other passages that force us to slow down and for a moment, ponder, which is not something we make much time for in our own cultural moment right now to reflect and think and, and marvel at what God's word says. And I think this is one of those passages that forces us to slow down and think deeply because what Jesus is saying here steps on the toes of a very familiar cultural idol that has inevitably found its way into the hearts and minds of God's people. Called it earlier the American daydream that we are all capable of uh, something more, that we all possess the ability within ourselves uh, to do something better, greater, bigger, stronger, faster, whatever it might be. If only we could pull ourselves up. Friends, we need to be reminded that this type of radical self sufficiency is so anti gospel because it keeps our eyes focused on ourselves and what we can do. And it keeps our hearts and minds closed off uh, from the real author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. And so today, to live this out, I'd invite you to take a couple moments during the day today and pause and say, God, fix my attention and my affection, not on my own ability, but on yours. Friends, thanks for tuning in to the Drivecast today. We will see you next week as we continue looking at the book of Revelation. Revelation.